Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. There's desperation and anguish. More than 80,000 Afghans have since arrived in America. But this story is still unfolding. I'm Andrea Smartin. In my new podcast, Stranger Becomes Neighbor, we'll find out what happens to these new arrivals in our communities. Who would help our newest neighbors? Follow us at kslpodcast.com, Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Welcome in to an S Utah's World episode. Tom Hagen alongside Steve Bartle. Big shout out to Nate Wade Subaru, 1207 South Main Street in downtown Salt Lake City or just thereabouts. Um, inflation's rising, interest rates are rising. You're still seeing a lot of Subarus on the road, and there's reason for it. They're looking after you still. They're not raising their prices <laughs> a ton, so they're um, still the best mar- the, the best car in the market for you to get out and go and buy. So, so head on down, tell them we say good day, and um, I promise, I promise, I promise you'll thank us for it down the road. So uh, my wife has one. Uh, I've had one forever. We drive them everywhere. Uh, good gas mileage, really cool cars, and uh, perfect for the state of Utah. There's no real other way to put it. All right, Steve, here we go. By the way, check Steve out on Twitter. We're at SBattle247. <laughs> it's NFL Draft Week. It's actually NFL Draft Day. We're just hours away from the start of the draft, so we won't be able to kind of share where Devin Lloyd's going by uh, by the time this episode's done because we don't know, but he will be a first-round pick. And there's a good chance that many of our listeners will listen to this podcast after the NFL draft. But we promise you a lot of the content within this podcast will still be relevant. So do not worry. But firstly, Steve, how are you, man? Doing good, Tom. How are you doing, man? I'm good, thanks. I'm, um, yeah, I'm not too bad. I'm waiting for the sun to come out. You know, all the tulips have blossomed in the front yard, but it's still, you know, like 70 odd degrees and overcast. I'm like, where's the sun? Can you peak a little bit, bro? Come on. Yeah, nah, for real. Give us the sun. The wind can die down a little bit. Yeah, I'm trying to get out, trying to work on the swing. I've got a you know an event in a couple months. I got to prepare for. Don't want to embarrass myself, so you know we'll see. But uh, but man, I'm doing good. Um, excited for tonight, obviously with the draft and it continuing over the next couple of days. And so uh, excited to talk about that with you today, Tom. Let's let's obviously start with the draft. We, we we may well just start and end there. Um, what are your expectations, Steve? Let's go. You know, thirty thousand foot view. What, what do you anticipate occurring over the next uh, three days? Yeah. No, I think what we'll see is you know we'll see Devin Lloyd taken. You know, I think he's going to be taken mid round, uh, teens, twenties, somewhere in there. He, I think more important than anything. More important to him, you know, going high in the draft, right, early in the first round. I think the opportunity for him to go later in the draft and find a, a better organization, an organization that could, you know, under that understands how to utilize him, um, and uh, you know, is is a good fit. I think there are a number team, a, a number of teams, you know, in that late round that uh, could use him, and I think that's uh, that's super exciting. So. You know, there's some good fits, some good opportunities for Devin, and he's obviously going to command a, a lot of the headlines. But over the next couple of days, it'll be interesting, right? Like, I think we all are excited for Devin and for him and seeing him, you know, becoming a first round pick and, and all of that and the excitement there. But there's a number of guys that have the opportunity, have a chance at being drafted as well. I don't know that, you know, there, there will be too many. 
um, names that we hear early on, you know, day two type stuff. But I think day three is where things will get a little, quite a bit more interesting with the rest of this Utah draft class. I'm looking, um, I, I have been looking and I, I, I had another look. The, the 22nd pick, Steve, in the NFL draft is the Green Bay Packers. Green Bay Packers, I should take. Um, courtesy of, of course, from the Las Vegas Raiders. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, of course, I this was a few days ago. I did some digging and I went into kind of, you know, do the Packers need linebackers? And there may be a need for an inside linebacker there, which Devin can play, but is his mm-hmm. best kind of playing on the outside. And, and so I guess there's a chance he does go number 22, which would just be nothing short of crazy. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how to even like explain. Well, I mean, that. yeah. So you've got Green Bay. You've got the, the New England Patriots at 21. You've got the Dallas Cowboys at 24. And like the, the Dallas Cowboys, we, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of drama that come with old Jerry and, and, and Jerry world, but, you know, those are big organizations that are driven by winning and in, in that. And so, you know, obviously with the, the Cowboys, winning can come and go <laughs> a little bit more than some of these other organizations. Uh, but you get into those 20s and there are just some some exciting fits for Devin Lloyd. Um, the Green Bay, I think, would be just uh, a, a really exciting opportunity for him. Obviously, one of the most storied organizations in the NFL. They're they're still one of the 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 highest winning, you know, over the last few years, and they need help on that defense side of the ball. It seems like each and every year. Yeah, you you bring up a really good point because uh, I think this is something that fans of the game are starting to catch up on. Obviously, that the later you go in the first round, the better the team is because yeah. you know, they don't have a high draft pick for a reason. Um, so Green Bay, who's who's solid, has has the twenty second. Arizona would be a great place for Devin to go to mm-hmm. at twenty three. Dallas at twenty four. Buffalo at twenty five. Tennessee at twenty six. Tampa at twenty seven. The return of Brady, and then Green Bay get another pick at twenty eight, and then and Kansas City at, at twenty nine. I mean, any any yeah. of those teams, you know, yeah. you're looking at them going. There's a real chance they can make deep deep playoff runs in two thousand and twenty two slash twenty three season. So. That's um that's exciting. And he may go high. I mean, who knows? He may go in the teens and um and go to a storied organization yeah. as well. But I, I look, I just think it's remarkable. Steve, go ahead. Yeah, no, I think it, you're you're right, Tom. It is remarkable, right? Like he's gonna have like going in the first round is a big deal. It's a life changer. I I you know, you're looking at some of the contract numbers, projected contract numbers, you know, and outside once you get outside of like the top what is it? Top 15 where they're 17 million overall over the course of their contract. You know, you get to 15, 16 million right around that 18th pick, which is Philadelphia. Who's a, a, an organization that has been linked to Devin Lloyd as well from there. Like there's not much difference in terms of the money compared to the, the top half of the draft where top 10, you're making 20, 25, 30 million. So from 15 on, like it's really just about finding the best fit for him because he's still even at the 32nd pick, the last pick in the first round, that that contract is still going to be 12.5 mil, which is just again, that's life-changing money and for Devin Lloyd again, 
you know, we've seen it all. The, the dude has earned every bit of this. He's turned himself into just an incredible player. So it's awesome to see guys like that, you know, have this opportunity and to, to be rewarded in, in a way. I'm just hoping he doesn't go 32. Steve, that's <laughs> yeah. the, the Detroit Lions have uh, the 32nd pick. And I'm, come on, don't do Devin like that, Detroit. Don't do it. Fair. Um, Very fair. But it would be cool, I guess, either way to see him go in the first round, which he will, I have no doubt. Um, so yeah. from there, it's kind of it, it's kind of a bit of a mess, isn't it, as it relates to yeah. Utah football? You've got Big Bam Olaseni, Nick Ford are the two kind of big offensive linemen that are looking to go. Uh, Nephi Sewell, Devin's uh, companion there at the linebacker a year ago, he's probably going to get picked up, I assume, pretty late in the draft. Bring Covey's another guy yeah. that... Is optimistic. I, look, I, I actually, I, I do think Britton Covey is going to get drafted. I really, truly feel it in 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 my heart that Britton Covey. I just think he's too good yeah. of a return specialist, and he adds to a wide receiver depth that is invaluable at the NFL position. And he's and he's he's really, really, really smart from yep. a football standpoint. His football IQ is is incredible. Um, and I think I think a team's going to draft him because I just don't think you're going to let a player of his caliber go into the undrafted space. So, um, and then who am I? Mika Tafua. What do you mm-hmm. reckon about me? That, that, that's an interesting conversation. He didn't get invited to the combine, which I was just shocked yeah. about. Um, which would also state that you know there's a chance maybe he doesn't get drafted. But but I think he's he's too good. His resume is 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 amazing. He was terrific yeah. at Utah, Steve. Do you think he goes? He absolutely was. No, he absolutely was. And I know, you know, it was, um, for me, I had the opportunity to to get out on the road, to go to a, I went to every game is basically what I'm trying to get to. I don't know why I was you trying to say to what like I was. You drove to like half of man. I went to every game, right? And so that brought the opportunity to, you know, I interacted with some scouts on the road at, at one of the games. I think it was the Oregon State game. And they were there to watch Mika Tafua. Right. Um, and so, you know, that was something I know that there's a, a good amount of interest. I know the Steelers were another organization that sent scouts to Utah to, uh, to evaluate Mika Tafua. There's a good amount of interest. And so it's interesting. He should have been at the combine. I think he was dealing with an injury at the time. I don't know if that factored into the decision to, um, to invite him or whether Mika de- declined an invitation. I don't know for sure just yet, but I, I, he was recovering from surgery. You know, that a nagging injury that he suffered, I think, in the Colorado game, which really says a lot about him and, you know, the willingness to, you know, continue to play through that. Um, and so, you know, he's got, uh, he's got, you look at his resume, you look at his production, Tom, like you mentioned, um, he was, I think, top two in the country, the entire country um in pressures generated he had something an absurd number like 73 pressures uh which is just absurd i think Kayvon Thibodeau had like 56 something like that it wasn't a, a big number Aiden Hutchinson i think was another guy that had like 70 something and Mika Tafua was ahead of him and so you know like there's there's potential there for for Mika and there's interest there um, what that looks like, you know, I, we'll see. But I do know that the, there's genuine interest in him as a prospect at the next level. When, when you said that, you, when you were talking about him, and and as as, as you know, whether or not he kind of declined in NFL, I would be stunned, Steve. You seem to know more than I bet. But come on, you can't. Like even if you're recovering from an injury, to me, the NFL Combine is not just a, a, a place in an environment where you can showcase your, your skill set. Sure. 
yeah, physically, sure. but it gives you a chance to speak to people. You know, every single night when I was there, and I was a punter for crying out loud, it's different for, for other skilled position players, but every single night, you know, we got a chance, and I know, you know, defensive ends and quarterbacks and offensive linemen and the rest of the gang, everybody gets chances to to go from table to table, to bounce around and, and speak to their um, right. respective kind of positional coaches. And so um, no, anyway, you're, still you're, you're my right. Mind. Yeah, you're, you're absolutely right there, Tom. No, I agree. I'm with you there. So I hope he didn't. I really hope he didn't reject an offer because I would tell him to fire his <laughs> agent as soon as possible because yeah. that would be a horrible decision made. Who am I missing? TJ Pledger is a sneaky mm-hmm. chance, I think, to get drafted. I'd love to hear your thoughts on him. And then Theo Howard's another guy that's really interesting. He didn't have a great year at Utah. He had a good year, but he has produced at UCLA and at Oklahoma, some of the biggest names in college football. And he's been doing it for some time. So I guess you, you can't rule him out either, can you? No, no. He's, you know, he's got production. He's got, you know, a game that, you know, he's got a lot, a lot of experience, a lot of know-how, and that's always valuable at the next level. Um, you know, I'm with you, Tom. I think TJ Pledger is a guy that, you know, could sneak into one of those later rounds. I think he's definitely a guy that uh, has proven – his capabilities at the running back position, um, you know, saw something, uh, him talking about his decision to come to Utah and what went into that and his, and Utah's offense and running downhill, um, was something that attracted him to the program. And he showcased that he can, you know, he can run downhill. He can be a, a traditional back of sorts. He's always been viewed as this scat back, this, pass catching guy but he can he can carry the load at times and i think his season here um proved that and so i, I i'm with you there tom i think tj is a guy that certainly um could sneak into the late rounds and i think he tested really well at utah's pro day which is going to help him uh as well uh you know the other guy nephi sewell i think is it, i go back and forth on like who i think is going to be you know, the next, the guy after Devin Lloyd, right? And I think Nephi Sewell is right in that mix. I know he had a ton of interest throughout the season, just like Mika Tafua. Um, you know, when scouts came to the program, they were, they, they weren't here, you know, they were, they were here to, to talk to Nephi and, and get an idea of what he was. And I know like the Chargers had a good amount of interest in him, uh, which is exciting for me being a Chargers fan and would love to see that. So, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. Like who is the next guy after, after Devin Lloyd? Um, just because it could be a number of different players. It could be, could be TJ, could be Bam. You know, somebody would love to take a flyer on his measurables and potential at 6'8", 340. Um, and so, you know, like there's a number of ways this could go, you know, late in the round, which is, it's, it's, it's nerve wracking, but it's exciting at the same time. Like you just want to see all of these guys have that opportunity to hear their name called. Here's what I'm pretty certain about. Um, as I look ahead to the draft, I, I'm pretty sure, look, Utah may not break their NFL draft record, which was like seven or eight players, if I'm not mistaken, a couple yeah. of years back. I don't think they're going to break that. But I do think they're going to have anywhere from four to, to six, maybe, players drafted. And and then there's going to be a ton of guys or a handful, I should say, they're going to get picked up on undrafted free agent contracts and fight for their life to um, to make the team. I, I do think it's going to be a good draft for Utah. I'm almost certain in, in 
And, and I'm really comfortable in saying that by the time this, these three days are all but said and done, it, it's going to be a really good draft for the Utah football program. And it's just going to add uh, more ammo to, to them that they can use on the recruiting trail. I mean, they'll have mm-hmm. a you know, first-round pick, for crying out loud, which uh, doesn't happen often. Last would have been Garrett Bowles back uh, a couple of years ago. But still, you know, that's rarefied air. And then if you can if you can add like you know four or five guys following Devon, then yeah, my word, I mean that that's a ter- yeah. terrific draft class, and yeah. um, and they deserve it. And to think that only two of them got invited to the combine, it's just like it's what, just what crazy going on. Yeah, you know, yeah, can't quite figure it out. I think Arizona State had like, like they like, had like four or five. They had some like crazy number six, I think even. They had a I number know. of guys I mean, there. Like, how good a salesman is Herm Edwards for crying out loud? <laughs> Jeez Louise. Sweet bit of Zeus. So anyway, yeah. look, do, do you agree? Do you, do you feel pretty comfortable and confident in saying that this is going to be a, a promising draft class for Utah? I, you know, I think that there will be a couple guys selected after Devin Lloyd. I, I don't know that we'll see five. I don't know that we'll see six. But I think Utah can get two, three other guys. You know, I think that that's absolutely – um, very, very possible and likely even. So I, I'm, I'm right there with you, Tom. I do think that we'll get, uh, get to see multiple guys drafted over the next couple of days. And you know, you, you're bringing up like just what the impact could be for Utah, um, with success, you know, in the draft. And I've had this running piece at Zone that kind of highlights just the upward trend and trajectory of the program in three key phases. And that's, Obviously wins, you know, how productive you are winning, you know, winning football, recruiting, you know, the, not only just the team ranking, but the average rating of recruits and that's gone up. And then draft picks over the last few years, you know, Utah's had a number of guys, the highest number of guys in a three year period or like four or five year period than they've ever had. And so, you know, you add a first round pick to that mix. That's only going to help you moving forward. And that's going to continue to feed into recruiting, which is then going to feed into, you know, on-field results and winning, which is only going to help, you know, the NFL draft success as well. So, you know, those three pillars are impacted and uh, by by the other two. And you have success on draft night. That's just going to help you moving forward. So uh, it should be super exciting for sure. So I haven't heard you mention Nick Ford yet, Steve. Are you, yeah. Do you, do you feel good about Nick? I mean, because here's the deal. Last year, he's, he came out publicly and was like, I got a third round grade, but I'm going to come back and win a championship. And he did that. So kudos. Mm-hmm. But when he came out and said, I got a third round grade, I was like, wow. You know, I think Nick Ford's a really good player, but I didn't quite think he was maybe third round good. And so that did surprise me. And you know, that's the reason I'm not a scout. But um, mm-hmm. do you think he can go? Do you think he could be the yeah. second guy taken after Devin Lloyd? Is that is that a real possibility? Yeah, people can't see the podcast, but as soon as you mentioned his name, I like threw my hands up like, oh, I can't believe we forgot Nick because, yeah, I do think that he's a guy that absolutely factors into, you know, guys that could um, could hear their names called late in the draft. Like he's a guy where, um, you know, having that ex- experience across the line of scrimmage, he's played all five positions. That's a unique thing on the resume, but he's got he's got this athleticism. He's got the build. He's got the tenacity, the, the, the playing style that I think really speaks well to scouts and how they evaluate. Got to work on some of the fundamentals. And as a coach, like that's kind of the thing where 
can excite you at the same time. Like it's, it's, I'm sure it's a frustrating thing to, to evaluate a recruit that doesn't play with proper technique all the time. But as a coach, like you're looking at this, like, okay, we take him six, fifth, whatever round and we get him here. He's a guy that we like athletically. We like him physically and we can coach up, you know, the consistency in which he plays with, uh, the technique that he plays with. And so, you know, all of this, it's not just Nick and I'm not just trying to signal out, you know, single out Nick, like all of these other guys have other things that they, that coaches are viewing as well. Um, and so, you know, yeah, like I do think Nick is right. He's a guy that for whatever reason, once the season ended, like the, the buzz around him and, and the draft just stopped. And I don't understand it because he was a guy. He's like, I said, he's got the athleticism. He's quick. He's strong. He's got what you want in an offensive lineman. So I, I'm, I fully agree with you, Tom. Like, I think he could be, you know, another guy that's in the mix there late in the, late in the draft. Well, all these GMs, coaches, and scouts, it's, it's worth remembering as fans of the game that they value potential more than any other trait. Out yeah. there. Look, you have to perform at the college level. There's no question, but they don't, they want to see if you've got more in the tank. How much better can you be as a player uh, in the National Football League? Um, and if they if they believe you can be great and you haven't reached your, your potential yet, then then you'll get you you'll more than likely get drafted. Um, and so anyway, keep worth noting that. Look, we we don't have a ton of time. Steve has a, has an appointment he has to he has to make, but I, we cannot, Steve, we cannot. It would be cynical if we got out of this podcast without talking about the chaos that has ensued over the last week. And from all reports, Ute Zone has just lost its mind. The people on there, Steve, you've been bloody playing, you know, the role of psychologist from all reports that I'm hearing. So so let me just paint the picture for those that have been living <laughs> under a rock, okay? This bloody blog from Alabama came out and started talking about Dalton Kincaid potentially entering the, pardon me, the transfer portal. Uh, and, and Alabama is a team that are looking to bring Dalton Kincaid in, to which Utah fans emphatically began to deny nothing came out from Utah. Nothing for like three days, I think. It was like, what are we doing? Yeah. Can you just make a statement, Dalton? And uh, finally, finally, Utah Football published a video that was very Rob Gronkowski, Tom Brady-esque Um basically stating that Dalton is not entering his name in the transfer ball and that he, he will be returning to Utah, which is great news. But my question to you, Steve, is so do you have any more insights into how that all unfolded or like what, what I mean, like, is that the future of NIL? Is this how teams are going to like recruit these, these, these potential kids now, even though they're, they're not in the transfer portal, it just, it's crazy. Yeah, no. <laughs> Sorry, Tom. My uh, my AirPods disconnected, so I I uh, I I missed the last little bit. But uh, picking up, I assume where you left off with Dalton Kincaid. Uh huh. Um, an incredible response, right? <laughs> like, is this the future the, of NIL? I guess that's oh, the question man. I was a- ans- a- asking. Is what I'm trying to say because, and, yeah. So, and this this was something I I I wanted to bring up was okay. The 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 need to respond to something to a rumor would not be necessary if things weren't actually happening, right? Like if things weren't happening behind the scenes, or Dalton was actually being contacted by 
Alabama people, Alabama fans, Alabama boosters, Alabama former players, Alabama current players, maybe, you know, whatever. Um, the the need to respond and send something, a video like that out onto Twitter, right? Like there would be no need for that if it wasn't actually going on behind the scenes. And I think it's mm. it's wild. Um, and I think, think it's he, you think. Sorry to cut you off. You you think he had been contacted, Steve? Well, so like here's the thing. Like I, I've had Dalton on the my podcast, like the Blockcast before, uh-huh. and um and he's talked very openly about how um players are recruited through like the trans like are are contacted nowadays like he's talked about it not himself right but he's right, alluded right. to the fact that players are you know contacted and so this is absolutely and it's not i don't think i think NIL has just poured gasoline onto this little fire i think it's always been yeah. something that's happened, you know, yep. but I just think with NIL opening the, the door, you know, wide open, it's, it's, uh, I think it's absolutely going to continue to be a factor moving forward. And it's, it's, it's scary, right? Like this is wild. There has to be some sort of regulation on this. Um, like, cause it's just, it's absurd that this kind of stuff can go on. Wow. Yeah, that is that is such an interesting conversation. And look, one that we're going to need to dive into next yeah. week. Um, it's all about the NFL draft this week and for good reason. But that that is an off-season conversation that is for sure. uh, perfect for a podcast episode uh, and to try and further understand just, just what's happening uh, out there in the world of college football and, and obviously the Dalton Kincaid situation um i i have no doubt that it would have caused a bit of panic within the utah football facility i i you know how could it not um you know that that blog that alabama page had uh 25 odd thousand followers so like it was you know it was like a, a decent fan page you know it wasn't just this this loser in his basement that had 700 followers you know so um, anyway, look, that's that's for another time. We wish nothing but the best to all of the Utah football former yep. players that are uh, hoping to hear their name called over the next three days. We cannot wait, honestly, cannot wait to uh, to see all the success that unfolds before our very eyes. Steve, you've got to run, and we've got to say another quick thank you to Nate Wade Subaru. Love, 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 and appreciate all of the the many kind men and women that work out there at uh, Neway Subaru. Without you, this podcast is simply not possible. Steve, be well, travel safe, and until next week, my friend, we'll speak again. But um, thanks for your time as always. Thanks, Tom. Years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear-gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor... You'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind 
only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com. Follow us on Apple Podcasts or anywhere else you listen.